Hi, welcome to Navigating the Spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I'm happy to have you with us today. Today, I have a special guest. Her name is Natalie Castro, and Natalie is an autism sibling and guardian who has dedicated her personal and professional experiences towards autism education. Uh, this has provided her the perspective of a family's lifestyle within their home and community. With her passion in therapeutic home designs to impact a child's developmental milestones, real estate was her next career path to provide support to autism families in their home. Adapting and designing the home to integrate sensory needs, self-regulation resources, communication and social skills, while promoting a positive family dynamic is what helped Angie, who is Natalie's sister, in her journey with autism. Experiencing the different lifestyle stages of her family and Angie's needs has inspired her to create something unique, tailored to offering real estate services with a background in educational and therapeutic resources in autism. And Natalie's mission statement is to provide therapeutic design and real estate services for autism families to impact their, ch their child's developmental milestones. Natalie, thank you so much for being with us here today. Hey, Michelle, it's, I'm so happy to be here and connect with you and your audience. Thank you. I know they'll be excited. This is really fun because it's unique, and I haven't done an interview like this before. So it's fun to talk about what this means. But I'm going to start with a question, which I think some of our listeners are probably saying, wait a minute, she's co-guardian to her sister? So that's that's kind of a beautiful thing. How did that take place? Yeah, so it is kind of a little bit of a family tragic story, um, sure. but I'm happy to share it just because I feel that um, a lot of families um, can go through something like this. So um, I talk about more of the advocacy part of it, but I was 26 when my mom um, gave me the choice of being my sister's co-guardian. Um, mm -hmm our dad had actually left the family for my sister's former occupational therapist. Wow. So, uh, not the most organic way. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we haven't, that happened back in 14. So we haven't even spoken to dad for about six years. Wow. And that was really traumatic for my sister and I, because he really grew up, we grew up with him taking us to her therapy sessions and schools. Um, so, you know, the reason why my mom gave me that choice was because God forbid something were to happen to her. Um, then I would have to go through the whole guardianship process through the state. It would legally have to be through the state of Florida. And, you know, my mom didn't put any pressure on me at all. She just said, look, I'm applying for, for guardianship. You know, your dad doesn't want anything to do with the guardianship. Um, I just want to make this choice available for you. And to me, it was a complete no brainer. Um, but it definitely changed my perspective of the way I lived because at 26, you know, I'm single. I was, you know, with my pediatric therapy office, kind of doing my thing with friends and to go from a sibling lifestyle to a co-guardian, you start putting in your head the fears that parents have that as a sibling, you naturally don't such as, you know, finances. What if you have your own family one day and you have a job and you have to be flexible for your sister and your kids one day. So, or if you have a husband, what is the, you know, what does that look like to me as mm -hmm. far as sharing that time with, uh, you know, a future husband and a sister. 
yes. who I'm caring for. So definitely the fear of losing my mom is huge for me ever since I went into co-guardianship, just because I started having more of an awareness and understanding of what every parent's pretty much fear is if they sure. were to leave. Yeah. Um, so it's been a really interesting path, but you know, one of the processes, luckily I had a client at my office that her, his mom was a special needs attorney and she helped us throughout the whole entire guardianship process. She did the paperwork for us. She explained to me one-on-one what co-guardianship looks like. Um, so I made the decision to say yes with you know, the understanding that a lot of fears are going to be coming to me and it has definitely changed my relationship with my sister. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm more, I've, I think I've naturally always felt like another parent to her, but I think one of the most important things that I've learned over the years since switching over to that guardianship role is that she needs a sister. Uh, it's just us two. And sometimes I'm so heavy on that parental role of no, you shouldn't do this or no, you shouldn't do that. Like parents naturally, you know, do. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're sisters, we deserve to cause mayhem and bug our mom (laughs) and like, you know, just get into trouble. That's, that's, you know, any natural for siblings. Right. Um, so it's been an interesting journey and unfortunately, I don't like how it happened per se, how, uh, I guess the startup event, Mm-hmm. But to be honest, it has really made a an impact in my life and perspective of understanding it through a parent's eyes, um, I, what it's like. I can thank you for sharing all that. That's that's a lot to experience and a lot for you to take on. And it sounded like from what you were telling me, I kept thinking this sounds similar to what we try to do as parents, which is finding that balance, you know, mm-hmm. between creating a good relationship with your child and also making sure you're that parental figure as well. But for you, it's maintaining a great relationship with your sister, but also learning where to be the guardian and how to and when to step right. in, in that role too. So kudos to you for taking this on. But one thing that I remember you telling me is you're not very far apart in age, are you? No. So we're 18 months. I'm older than her, even though we all know the younger siblings are always the sassy ones and the bossy ones. So (laughs) if you meet me and Angie in person, she totally like runs my schedule. She's awesome. (laughs) Um, She just turned 27 in November, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we've been pretty much inseparable and growing up, you know, as a sibling, I've had a lot of things to emotionally go through and watch my parents. And I feel like just the sibling conversation is a whole other, you know, uh, topic, but I don't know. It's just growing up and, you know, being able to grow up with her, I think Mm -hmm. in that very, like, uh, that small timeframe of how far we are apart has been really cool because like, if I went through a prom, she went through her best buddies prom. You know, it's almost like I got to experience it first and then teach her how to experience it. Yeah. So in that sense, it's pretty cool. That is, that's really special. That's so special. So how does your co-guardianship with your mom, how does that work? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah. So right now, um, our lifestyles that, you know, we live together, uh, we moved from Florida to Utah and I decided to buy a house. You and your mom live together? Me, mom, and Angie. Yep. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. It's like, we call it like the little story house. Um, it's like all girls, <laughs> like an all girl house. Um, 
But when I decided to move over to Utah, you know, it's going to be a new state and, you know, just the lifestyle change of, you know, my mom was always the one who went to work. She had three jobs just to make sure that she made met ends meet with my sister um, and her needs. And then, you know, I was always doing my thing. So I think when we moved to Utah, one of the most important you know, aspects of moving was buying a home that we can support one another to help Angie because we were each going to experience such a new lifestyle. And then let's just add COVID to the mix for that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we we live together and slowly we're adjusting. And I think that's all it is, is patience with one another. It's struggles. It's, you know, sometimes frustrations of living all together, you know, all three females in one house. Um, but you know, it's, it's honestly, we have so much fun. Uh, Angie feels loved and supported. And I think that's the number one thing for us is that she makes sure, uh, she is loved and supported throughout, throughout everything. Mm, I love that. I'll have to meet your mom someday. She sounds like a remarkable woman too. Oh, she's one of a kind. (laughs) (laughs) So my next question is, I know that your passion is real estate, but you kind of have found a special little space to fill in the real estate community. And I'd love for you to talk about how your, how this came to be. Yeah. So when we moved, actually part of, um, I owned a pediatric therapy office back in Florida and I, I still have it over there. It's called pieces of inspiration. Um, the therapists go to the homes and the schools, but one of the things I've been doing for even my sister. And then, you know, when I was 19 for families was going into classrooms and helping teachers adapt and design, um, their students who had special needs and helping them understand like what their, uh, needs were based on what the multidisciplinary team needed. So I was kind of like that middleman between, okay, what does the ABA therapist say? What does the OT say in the speech and the teacher? And then I kind of just put it all together and Mm -hmm. designed a space, whether it was at the school or home. So when we moved to Utah, the biggest thing for me going into real estate was also the flexibility of the lifestyle for not necessarily having that nine to five to care for Angie, for her to come with me or her help me at the office, kind of have that flexibility. Um, But the thing about real estate is I remember Angie, uh, she was in a loafer when she was little. And I just remember looking back at her house and I said to myself, why on earth would a real estate agent who has a, a family, who has a child with special needs, who's in a loafer, put them in front of a main road house? Like I would never do that. But again, it's just a lack of an awareness of what it is the lifestyle the family has. And when you look at homes, you don't really ask those types of questions to your clients, right? You don't ask, Hey, you know, uh, I understand your child has some sensory needs. Is there anything that we can look for in the home to help you with that? Like, that's not something that agents are doing because there's just not an awareness of it, of how big of a difference a family's lifestyle would be if you put them in one home versus the other. Mm-hmm. And then on the family side, there's not much of an awareness to ask their agent of that either. Like, what are some things to look out for? So what my goal is to, is to kind of bridge that gap in the real estate side, mm-hmm. um, but also to offer families support within saying, okay, who is your multidisciplinary team? Who can I talk to to better understand what it is that you're going through? Do you need a mother-in-law basement because you have therapists coming in and out of your home 
and you kind of just want space for yourself during that time? Or do you have a parent that lives with you that helps you with your child? Like mm-hmm. what, what do you go through every single day that when you do go into your next home, how to, can that impact your lifestyle? And then how can I help you design it to be able to impact your child's developmental needs? Um, so it's a little bit more of a niched, uh, real estate side, if you would say. Um, but I, I got the inspiration for it because I just see so many families, you know, come to me and say, you know, they're not sleeping well, or they're not, you you know, uh, we need something closer to the schools or we need some space for this. And they don't take that into consideration when they're actually looking for the home in the first place, they figure it out after they've bought the home. Um, so I'm, I'm going in and bringing something just a little bit different and it's just a different perspective of what families go through. And because of Angie, I've been able to have various types of perspectives and then working with clients as well. Yes. What I love about what you're doing is it, you, you turn it into something that's very individual and personal for the each, each different family. There's no one size fits all. So because every family's specific needs are different. So you're able to take a look at not just homes in general, but very specific homes for very specific needs. And I think that's really, that just shows an extra amount of effort on your part and, and care. And I love that. I love that you do that and take the time to do that. Well, one of the things too, to consider is what type of schools are out there for your kids, mm-hmm. you know, where are their therapy centers, where are their extracurricular activities? Um, I mean, I'll be flat out honest with you. I just was going into designing homes in the beginning <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, light bulb went off in my head. I was, you know, watching HDTV one day and I'm like, Hey, there are no episodes on here that talk about what I want to do. I want to go on HDTV and I'm there ready to like submit an application they're like one of the requirements to be a real estate agent. I'm like, perfect. Signed up for school the next day, <laughs> got my license in like two months. And I'm like, Hey, like this is, I'm going, like I'm going full <laughs> throttle on this. So to be honest, I wasn't thinking of the real estate part until HDTV said, Hey, this is a requirement. So it's a definitely a dream of mine um, that I want to go on and be able to teach families all around the world of, you know, how can they use the best team possible that their child already has and just adapt and design their home. So I, I love that so much. So if I'm a listener and I'm hearing you, I'm thinking, but she lives in Utah. So how can I tap into her resources without moving to Utah? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you don't have to move to Utah to even know me or talk to Not me that it at isn't all. Beautiful because it is beautiful. It is. But- it is. But if you if, 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 you're at, if not Utah, how would I tap yeah. into what you do? So I love hosting. So the beautiful thing about I think this past year is how much we can do virtually to help families. So yes. I actually have um, I do 15 minute consult with families and I hear them of what they're struggling with, what type of environment their child's having more of a difficult time at home, whether it's their bedroom, the bathroom, the kitchen area. Um, mm-hmm. I take that all into consideration. 
I have a uh, developmental milestone packet that I created with my team of therapists. I send that out and I kind of just go through a consult to see what it is that they're doing. And then I have like three different packages that they can work with me with. Either it's a coaching package, it's a design package, but my intention with it is to help all families possible. So they can schedule something with me. um, And then just from that 15 minute consult, I can kind of see where it is that they do need help with. So many moms out there are super crafty to where I really have to coach them and be like, hey, these are the questions you should be asking. This is the space you're going to design. Like they're Mm -hmm. super thrifty. Um, And they're like, Matt, we just need help and guidance. I'm like, okay, great. Some families are like, hey, we don't have a creative bone in our body. Can you just help us design (laughs) a room? So I'm like, okay, great. So I work with their budget. I work with their multidisciplinary team. Um, And I'm able to virtually help them design a room for them and then explain to them why it is designed that way. Because the point is to design it probably once for them and then be able to coach them on what are the questions to keep adapting it. Mm, That's a, that's a great method. I love that. Natalie, how long have you been doing this for? Since I was 19. Since you were 19. So 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. Thank you for telling us how old you are. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I haven't reached dirty 30 yet, so <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> oh, I love it. So do you have your own real estate practice then? Well, I'm part of a, a brokerage, but yes, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm solo. Uh, my dream one day is to create a really cool CEU for agents around the country to teach them um, mm-hmm. how to serve autism families better in the real estate side. So, you know, hopefully in the future, um, I'll be able to, to create that once I go ahead and perfect my own. Um, but I'm just really excited to spread more awareness in the community and really just know that families have such a support system within their own communities. I know how alone it feels. Um, I think siblings have a little bit of a different perspective, but as far as the parents go, you know, we depend on social media, we depend on so many things to bring us together and just being able to know that there's little things in the homes that can really just put less stress on a parent, like a design, or maybe help them understand their child a little bit better in a different perspective. I've seen it go such a long way. And the foundation of a child's growth is in the home. Yes. Um, You know, they can go to school, they can go to therapy, they can go to all these extracurricular activities. But it's within the home that they're the most comfortable. That's their safe haven. That's their safe space. So if we can incorporate all the things that we're learning from the multidisciplinary team into the home, I've seen kids communicate. Like I've seen kids be verbal. I've seen kids. I mean, I can't even tell you the success stories that I've seen kids with a difference just for little things. Um, And I'd be happy to go into examples for you as well. Well, I would love an example. That was what I was going to ask you next is if you can, Give us an example of maybe a home that you found for someone that changed their their living situation um, with their child that has special needs, or if there's a, a remodel that you did, or just a helping set up a space. Tell us something that you've experienced that has been meaningful to you. 
Yeah. So a lot of the times when people look for real estate, we have to look at a lot of factors such as like their financial goals, what they want to pay monthly. Um, but one of the things I notice is so many families have therapists come into their home, especially for children who are about three to five years old. And then when you get into the adulthood, you have a lot of um, respite caretakers come in and offer support. When families feel like they don't even have space to breathe, like that's kind of a parent's time to say, okay, I'm trusting you with my child. Like I, I'm going to go do I'm going to go do laundry. I'm just, I'm going to go have a glass of water. Like I'm just going to be to myself. I'm going to meditate for a few minutes and just take a break. (laughs) Whenever they're kind of impeding on that space, it's not a break for them. You know, like it's so important for parents' mental health and just for their, their own well-being, for the relationship they have with their partner, with their other kids, with family, with friends, with work, that Mm -hmm. they have just like space in the day to just breathe. (laughs) Um, So whether it's a mother-in-law basement, I know in Utah, we have basements in Florida, we do not have basements. Um, (laughs) But even just a different type of section of the home is so important to have a space for either their sensory needs, or let's say they're having a little bit of a more difficult day. And it's just a space for them to go that they know that they have things to help self-regulate them. And then it's also a space for parents to know, okay, I have a a therapist coming into my home. This is the space that they're using. I can allocate the rest of the home. Um, Backyards are a big, big deal. So Mm -hmm. if you have a child who is such a um, deep input sensory seeker, Mm -hmm. you want something like a jungle gym. You want something like a trampoline and families don't take that into consideration of the lot of the backyard when they look Mm -hmm. at that. So that's something I already have information about ahead of time. Um, and then just little spaces, like little things that families can even incorporate today. Like if they were listening on this podcast today and they're like, Oh my goodness, what is some, well, one thing from this podcast with Nally that I can do the mm-hmm. living room, that living room is probably the number one space that kids spend the most time in because mm-hmm. parents are in the kitchen or, you know, they're just doing little things throughout the day. So just different textured pillows on a couch can look great. It can feel great. And it can offer sensory input. Um, of more fashionable weighted blanket. So that way when you have friends and family come over, it's generalized, right? So the other idea is when you have family and friends coming over and they have kids, you're generalizing so many needs for them. I think every single kid loves a weighted blanket. Like it's not just for kids with autism. (laughs) And that's the other way we're going to spread so much awareness of what children with autism need is the more and more we generalize it. And that's why I like the designs to be very neutral. I like for it to be um, just like your, your average, like pillow, whatever, like it could be fuzzy. It can have sequins on it, whatever your style is, but it can also provide that sensory input for your child at the same, at the same time. I really like that. I actually had not thought about that in terms, and I'm not saying it's a small idea, but I'm saying pillows are a small thing. It's simple, but, but it's yeah. just simple. Yeah. yeah. Just to get good home goods, textures and different feel, mm-hmm. um, different. Well, all I can think of is textures right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause that's like the first word we think of in yeah, sensory, right? Yeah. But I'm just thinking yeah. that's such a small thing, but I mean, I see my children gravitating to certain types of pillows that we have on our couches. And um, so that makes sense to me. I like that you, you shared can even that. Get, you can even get a pillow. Let's say you kind of open it on the inside of that. Some parents do this and they do like some rice bags. So it's a weighted pillow. Oh yeah. That's a great idea. 
yeah, it's just, it's just honestly little tricks that, and that sometimes that's where I tell parents, I'm like, you know, it, it's just such little things. Um, you know, even in the kitchen, one of the biggest mm-hmm. things I can recommend, you start to see a little bit of, um, for your kids who have sensitivities with certain foods, like whether it's smell, texture, color, um, to get them more involved in the kitchen, like mm-hmm. pretend play, like have a set of mixing bowls just for them have like like do fun with food like speech therapists do but integrate it Mm -hmm. in the home so if you're stirring have your kids stir and that's actually a way to bring communication and you're just adapting the kitchen yes you know so it's just like little things that it's really just so dependent on what the child needs are and then where the parents feel there's maybe some non-compliant behaviors or maybe they're not sleeping well um Mm -hmm. You know, one of the biggest things I ask parents is, are there electronics in the bedroom? They're like, yes. I'm like, take them out. <laughs> you know, they're not yeah. going to sleep like that. Um, so it's just little adaptations that, you know, parents can do like today after this podcast. If they're having a hard time with communication uh, in the kitchen or food sensitivities, get a set of pretend play kitchenware, go to home goods, go to Amazon, whatever it is. Um, and just be able to throw some like fake food. So if you know that they don't, they have a broccoli sensitivity or a vegetable, just throw some mm-hmm. fake vegetables in there and do it. Like kids want to be independent. So mm-hmm. when you give them actions that are functional, but they're also like working on the goals that their therapists have for them, mm-hmm. you're going to see much faster progress with it. I love it. So you're incorporating the fun with the therapy. Right. Yeah. I love that. And the design with the therapy. And the design with the therapy. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's, I really like where you've taken this and I know parents are going to be really excited to learn more and reach out to you. So if they want to reach out to you, how do they contact you? So my cell phone number, I am a big, like, if you give my cell phone number out, they're more than welcome to text me. I do great with texts. Um, okay. I'm on Instagram at natalie.ecastro, natalie.e.castro, and then Facebook, just Natalie Castro. So they can message me however they want. They have my email address I can provide for you. Um, but also introduce them as their name. I feel like parents all the time, like, hi, my child is this, and they have this. Can you help me? Like, Oh, what's your name? Like, <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, I, think, I love yeah, it. I think that the stress <laughs> takes over. <laughs> yeah, they're like, please help me. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, they're more than welcome to reach out to me. And this is not just for Utah families. I love working with families all around, you know, the country. Um, I can unfortunately only do real estate in Utah, but if they are in a location. Um, where they just need a little bit of guidance and more than happy to talk to their real estate agent in a different state as well to build that rapport and uh, more than welcome to do that. That is great to know. And I'm sure that real estate agents would be happy to learn too in order to help meet their clients' needs. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing not only what you do, but your passion and the love that you have for your sister and for your family and just for being such an inspiration to the rest of us. So thank you for joining me on this podcast today. You're welcome, Michelle. I'm so happy to connect with you. I know that's all a mouthful when I talk, like it's just a, like, it's just a mouthful. So <laughs> I really appreciated coming on here and connecting with you and your audience. 
Oh, we love it. We love it. So parents and those that are listening, feel free if you need extra autism services to reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at navigating.the.spectrum. You can also go to my website at michelleportlock.com. Michelle's with one L. You can sign up for a free consult. Um, you can also just shoot me some questions uh, through my web through my web page.